We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the NBA Front Office Show, Thursday, November 9th edition. We're going to talk about some surprises today. Some of the things that have been, so far, surprising in the NBA season. We also have a little bit of news. Unfortunately, more injury stuff to, to get into. The never-ending stream of injuries in the NBA. But plenty of stuff for us to dive into today. Before we get into all of it, make sure you do subscribe to the YouTube channel. Turn on those notifications and like this video as well keith how are we doing today the cold seems seems a little bit better and uh are, are you just counting down till when you get to see uh the marvels tomorrow at this point <laughs> yeah i mean a little bit i'm definitely excited to see it i you know um, i'm i'm in the bag for all the marvel stuff so i'm excited i like the guy in the comments who said we're getting paid by marvel uh Somebody when we talked that? about it yeah oh, i we wish, do that man yeah, did I said last show that I do stuff for a hoodie? Like, I mean, clearly <laughs> we're not getting paid, uh, you know, very much at all. I mean, I just take free tickets to Marvel movies if uh, that's what it is. Maybe a walk-on part for for the two of us, like like we could be in the background, like doing something uh, that that'd be fun. But yeah, it's uh, yeah. I wish. Like, um, oh, what's his name? The fantasy football, uh, yeah, guy, Matthew Matthew Barry, Matthew Barry yeah. that wound up in in Endgame. Yeah, can yeah, can I have can I have a little cameo yeah. like that? Yeah, I sure you can. I'll just get like stomped on by the Hulk uh, off screen or something. Oh, and, oh, you know, yeah, like that. so Will we get Thanos snapped or something like. That? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Dust away. Yeah. yeah. That'd be that'd be great. I would love to do it. That <laughs> I, you know what? This never occurred. Guy in the comments, thank you. It never occurred to me. Could could we actually get paid by Marvel for talking about this stuff? Man, that'd be nice, right? It. But. We're we're not. I can assure no, you, uh, no. no portion of our paychecks come from uh, Marvel Studios or Marvel Comics or Marvel anything. It's uh, we're we're no, we're just nerds. Works. That's all. Yeah, that's it. That's exactly. <laughs> it. But yeah, I'm excited. And cold is. Uh, I'm feeling better. A little. I'm just tired now. Like that's yeah. like the back end of it. And yeah, you know, it'll all be good by probably the end of the weekend, and we'll be uh, back to to full go. But yeah, I uh, 
busy night last night, 14 games uh, on yeah. the schedule last night. That's part of what happens when you take a day off uh, in the middle of the week. And then only two games tonight as they try to avoid uh, having too many back-to-backs. Uh, Orlando yeah. and Atlanta and Mexico City tonight uh, is one of the games. So that'll be kind of, kind of fun. Those two teams get a window all to themselves uh, tonight at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, which is pretty rare. Uh, we don't generally see uh, the Magic and the Hawks in a, you know, prime time window all by themselves so that'll that'll be fun to to watch and focus in on those two teams are they uh nationally televising that one tonight i think they are well depends what do you consider nba tv oh it's an nba tv (laughs) there you go (laughs) the nba would say yes uh i think the rest of uh us would say "Eh, not Mm. so much probably not okay all right. And Bucks well, Pacers is the early game at seven, so that that's a that's a, also a fun one. Those uh, two teams. We're going to get into stuff like that a little bit later in the show. Yes, I, I think Bucks Pacers has the potential to be sneaky fun. But all right, let, let's go through some of the. Oh, I, I hate it. The injuries. Uh, Stephen Adams does have PCL surgery, which is great, uh, and his season is is over before it ever really started. I mean, great that he had the surgery and that he's going to be you know, okay and all that in the long run. But um, but unfortunately, the Grizzlies will be without uh, the man that embody, embodies the word Grizzly probably more than any other. Uh, he will be out of action for the season. Yeah, year 11 for Steven Adams. He is, uh, let's see, turned 30 uh, a little bit earlier this summer. Uh, here he's got one more year, $12.6 million, uh, left on his contract after this season. So 12.6 this year and next year. Mm-hmm. Kind of wonder do the Grizzlies maybe use him as a contract in a trade uh, that this year okay. if they need to upgrade and figure it out, or do the Grizzlies hit a point where it's just all right? We're just going to ride it out. We'll figure it all out this summer. Uh, they they are uh, increasingly expensive uh, roster there, in Memphis. We talked a little bit about that yesterday, uh, as far as uh, looking at what the future spending landscape looks like, and Memphis is in a little bit of a tough spot contractually, but. Yeah, let's hope Adams gets healed up and is uh, back on the floor come training camp next summer. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. We also saw Tyler Hero uh, sprain his ankle. Walker Kessler uh, also suffer an elbow injury. Both are going to miss the next few weeks. Um, tough blows. But look, there's we talked yesterday a little bit about Jamal Murray. He's dealing with a hamstring issue. Like, it's just, I know, like, we say that this isn't out of the ordinary. But it feels like there's a lot of injuries this year, doesn't it? Yeah, and to a lot of key guys, like key yeah. starting uh, all-star level players that are going to miss not not just a game or two, like are missing weeks of mm-hmm. of action with this hero. There's they're already saying might be a couple of weeks. Uh, Miami media is reporting he's already headed back to Miami. Uh, to me, with the team's orthopedic surgeon, which is mm-hmm. not Ooh. great. And That's this concerning. is a guy who hasn't like. It seems like when he gets hurt, he's not out of game, and then he's back. Like it mm-hmm. seems like he misses time whenever he goes down. So, and that's a Heat team. They they don't have a ton of depth, and they certainly don't have a ton of offensive depth. Like they're, they're going to really uh, potentially struggle to create points. Uh, it's going to be a, put a lot on Jimmy Butler, a lot on Bam Adebayo, and a lot on Kyle Lowry. And I'm just not sure those uh, two Butler and Lowry that their age and everything you need them to be if you want to make a long run in the season can really be handling that kind of uh, usage this early in the year. So that, that's going to be something to watch for a Heat team that, you know, did, they didn't make the big trade this summer. And it felt like 
the longer they sat around on that, they they missed out on other opportunities to mm-hmm. do other stuff potentially yeah. uh, with their roster. And then uh, you know Josh Richardson, big opportunity for him. He's been a good player, you know, at various points in his career, and he's probably going to get a lot of shots. So let's see what that looks like in Miami. Yeah, I mean that's that's going to be it. When in Miami again, the depth a little bit lacking because, like you said, they were in a holding pattern all summer, waiting for a Damian Lillard trade that just never came. Uh, yeah. Walker Kessler, the, the Jazz are still not in a position where they're. Like, I mean, they want to win games. The players want to win, but they're not organizationally. They're not going all in to win right now this season. So this is a situation where Walker Kessler, they're going to say, hey, heal up all the way, get healthy, and uh, and then we'll go from there. They're not going to be rushing anybody back, and they're certainly not going to panic if they drop a few games or if their rim protection doesn't look as good or whatever without Walker Kessler. Yeah, and the way this came out was this is actually an injury that happened on opening night for the jazz is when he actually got hurt and he tried to play through it for several games and just couldn't, it sounds like he just couldn't be effective. Couldn't really use his left arm uh, the way he needs to. So here we are. He's going to be, uh, you know, sidelined for a little bit. They started, they, they played Indiana. They went with Laurie Markin and at the five uh, mm-hmm. didn't, didn't look good. They didn't like it the, the way that looked. That's not a team where that makes a ton of sense against. There's not like the big behemoth center to really pull away from the rim. Miles Turner isn't really that guy, right? He's he's, he's actually in a better spot when he can be a help guy. Yeah. Uh, as far as blocking shots and all that, he's not like a Joel Embiid type that just plants himself in the lane and makes you challenge him or Rudy Gobert or anything like that. So I kind of wondered, do they – they, they went a little bit smaller, uh, which sounds weird because you still had two, well, you had a seven-footer and a 6'10 guy starting in Markin and in Collins. I wonder if they do go to like Kelly Olynyk, who started quite a bit at the five for them last year. Do they go back to that to put Markin and back at the, mm-hmm. the forward spot and just kind of do, do what they usually do? Uh, another lineup change for them was Keontae George uh, got into the starting five as well. And he, he, didn't look great as far as scoring went, but looked pretty good as a playmaker. And then he had his hands full trying to guard Tyrese Halliburton, which, you know, good luck. So does everybody else. So right. uh, it was a little tough for, for the Jazz. But you're absolutely right with what you said. They, they're they 2-7 and seven now. I think the Jazz are one of those teams where a lot of people were probably a year early on them as far as a like, I think they're gonna, you know, they could be a top six team or even a you know playing tournament team. I think we're we're seeing now they probably won't be, and and we'll we'll get into more of that uh, here you know in a minute. But yeah, just I, I think the Jazz are probably gonna settle outside of the postseason picture, and that that's fine. They're still in uh, growing. And one thing to keep an eye on, I know it's super early to be talking about this top ten protected pick uh-huh. Utah has. So at what point do you uh, start to prioritize hanging on to that pick uh, versus watching that thing move out the door? Yeah, and you know what I think part of it too is last season Utah had that stretch where they were the number one seed in the Western Conference. Yeah. They had insanely hot shooting in the early going. And so that may have raised the expectations a little bit that, hey, maybe this team can make that kind of run again. But again, they're just not there, and, that, and that's okay. That's okay. I don't sure. think they're at a point where they have to go no. And make some type of win now move. No, in fact, I think you can do some some real damage if you go all in too soon. Um, and in fact, there's you know, well, this this may come up when we talk about the Spurs, but there's even some teams where, um, and I think of Luca and the Mavs, where they get that guy. And I don't think the Jazz necessarily have that guy yet, but the Mavs say get that guy. That guy is a little bit too good too soon. And they're not quite ready to go all in and they don't have the assets accumulated to to build a team. And they kind of wind up being stuck in this kind of no man's land. And I think that's kind of what happened with 
with the Mavs. I, I think that by going all in too soon, whether it's by choice or you happen to get a one player who's a little bit too good for you to accumulate multiple um, top picks, you can actually get stuck in, in this kind of treadmill situation. So I, I think the Jazz, they're the right to kind of slow play things. Let's see what happens this season and then go from there. Make some more smart moves next summer, hitting the draft again, and then off you go. Yeah, I think for Utah, too, the good news is if you keep the pick this year, rolls over to next year with the same protections, and it rolls one more year, I think it's one through eight uh, protected, and then they would, would you know, I think it turns into two seconds or whatever, and that's from a trade with OKC, uh, of course, because every trade's with OKC. Every trade is, um, yep. But it's, I think you hit a point where it is, uh, they come, um, they if you could keep it this year, that's good because that's their only pick. Next year, they have first-rounders coming from Cleveland and Minnesota, both. So you still have a first-rounder if you give it away next year, if it conveys to Oklahoma City. So you'd probably rather, let's try to keep it this year. And if we can, if, you know, clearly you're not, if you're pushing for top six, seven, eight seed and firmly in the, the postseason picture, yeah, mm-hmm. you're you're not gonna try to tank out of that, but rather than chasing the ten seed, if we get to you know February, you can look at it and say, all right, let's you know kind of back off a little bit yeah. here, try to keep our pick, and then we can can see what it looks like uh, next season when we start to build. And they've got a lot of cap flexibility. I think I talked a little bit about it yesterday. They they could use. I think what they'll probably do is go under the cap and then renegotiate and extend marketing and yep. you kind of go from there. But we, we got into that in depth uh, yesterday's show. All right. Let's talk about some of the surprises so far this season. And Keith, I want to kick things off with a, a team that we mentioned. How about the Indiana Pacers leading the NBA right now in points per game, putting up 126 points per game. I mean, you and I both said the Pacers could find themselves solidly in the playoff mix in the Eastern Conference. I don't think either one of us predicted that they were going to become this offensive juggernaut leading the NBA in, in points sure. scored. Yeah, it's um I'm pulling it up right now. I want to see where they're at in uh, with the pace adjusted with the offensive rating. Yeah, and I do not have the pace one. adjusted in here. Yeah, they're still number one, 121.5. Wow. Uh, yeah, which is that that's the per 100 possessions. That's um, even more there. impressive. So that's yeah, that that is uh you know really, really good stuff uh for for the Indiana Pacers. They're um you know they're 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 rolling along right now. Just to, as a re- reference point, um these are there's one other interesting team in the top, um, uh, let's say the top seven uh, of this, um, but all the other teams are teams you would expect. The Atlanta Hawks, the mm-hmm. Denver Nuggets, the Dallas mm-hmm. Mavericks, the Boston Celtics, and Golden State Warriors. Uh, those are all the other teams. The other kind of interesting team, Philadelphia, is yeah. up there, 118.7 uh, for them offensive rating. So, yeah, without the Pacers are – yeah, exactly. Without James Harden and kind of, you know, a little bit of an interesting uh, mix there. They're 25th in defense, 117 um, yeah. points uh, per 100 possessions defensive rating. So that's that's a little uh, not great, right? No. We, we want to see that be a little bit better um, with the Pacers. Let's try, try to crack into the top 20 range. If, if they can get there, that that's that's a playoff team, right? If you're a top yeah. offense and you're top 20 defense, you know, you're, you're going to be a playoff team and They've got the talent certainly to to be there, and they've got the talent to be a 
better defensive team as well than, than what they are. They're never going to look like it points per game wise because they play at such a fast pace. But right. you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see you know, where it goes. I just let me confirm that. Yeah, second fastest pace in the league to the Washington Wizards. That's where drilling down into offensive rating, getting into 100 per 100 possessions that that lets you compare apples to apples. You know, teams yeah. that fly up and down the floor and put up an extra, you know, five shots a night or whatever compared to a slower paced team. That you can take that out. Um, I, I think it's interesting too that they've got they've got seven guys that are averaging double figures right now. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're spreading the ball around. Tyrese Halliburton leading the NBA in assists with almost twelve. He's also scoring twenty three a night. But other guys are getting in on the act, and that makes it tough to defend them because you don't you know any given night any of them can can uh, have a big scoring night. So again, seven players averaging double figures. That's that's pretty impressive for this Pacers squad. Yeah, and you know, racing up and down the floor, they're taking care of the ball. They're second in turnover percentage, so they're they're really doing things well. Like that, that is starting to be you know looking towards a, a you know kind of unstoppable uh, mm-hmm. offense w- with them. So yeah, I mean, when, when you got that kind of guys scoring, and Jalen Smith, man, is that guy playing you know terrific, and that gives them. 40 minutes a night with him and Miles Turner, you've got your 40 minutes a night of solid or 48 mm-hmm. minutes, 45 minutes, however you want to look at it, uh, of solid center play so that they're good. They've stayed relatively healthy, knock on wood so far, uh, but they've got pretty good depth there. Neesmith is really coming along now and starting to find his own. So, And there's still a little bit of room for upside because Obi Toppin hasn't fully taken off yet, and I think there's a little bit more uh, they can unlock with, with him. You know, what's funny as an aside the team that taught me really to understand the idea of defensive rating Uh these seven seconds or less phoenix suns because Uh, people had this impression that they were a bad defensive team because they they allowed a lot of points but they were playing which is comical because they were playing fast which is now they'd be like it's slow compared to today yeah but for for then they they were playing very fast, getting a lot of possessions, and that's how they were scoring a lot of points, and they were allowing a lot. But when everything adjusted, you got to see like, okay, like they actually are a pretty good uh, defensive team. So that was the team that kind of taught me to look a little bit deeper into those. And I'm throwing it back to like some of the real GM message board days where mm-hmm. people were like, you know, there's a stack called defensive rating. You should take a look at it because you'd understand it. You know, they're really not yeah. a bad defensive team. If you just see, oh my gosh, they're giving up X number of points, mm-hmm. you're, you've got to factor in how many possessions does an opponent get. If a, if one team is, and this is obviously exaggerated, if an opponent gets 200 possessions a night and everybody else it's only 100 because the other team's playing so fast, yes, the other their opponent's also going to score a lot more. And again, that's exaggerated, but that's essentially what, what happens here when you get a faster-paced team. Um, what else? Uh, what, what's surprising you from, from the season so far? Yeah, we touched on briefly Philadelphia. The yeah. fact that they are out to the start that they're out to at six and one, so they good. could have very easily let the hardened stuff at the very beginning of the year be a distraction and it could I have caused things to be very messy. And they they didn't, and now he's gone and they're just chugging along. And they, they've got a good team that really fits well together. I think it's odd to be seven games into the season and really feel like, wow, those guys know their roles, but they really do. You know, uh, Maxie and Embiid are going to be their engines. Tobias Harris, I think is, 
he's no longer kind of the forgotten guy who touched it every he's four critical. or five possessions. He's that third guy again. He's getting lots of touches and mm-hmm. kind, of, kind of doing his, his thing out there. D'Anthony Melton, he didn't play well against Boston last night, but generally, you know, pretty good ball mover. He's, he's a you know, fairly solid defender. He'll start shooting it better. He's off to a you know, terrible start shooting the ball. And then Kelly Oubre is just kind of playing yeah, out How about a shout out to him? <laughs> right now, yeah. I said uh, last night he, he, he took the ball. He took like four or five Kelly Oubre shots very early in the game yeah. against Boston last night. And I tweeted like, we should all have as much confidence in life as Kelly Oubre does in his ability to score because, you know, it's like, it's just unbelievable. But yeah, I mean, Philly is, you know, they're, they're, they're really playing well. Defense is really, really solid. So I think uh, that, that's, that's a team that's just not going to go away. My big question is, are they going to have enough offense when we get into the playoffs? Because yeah. that's where you know teams will load up, and we've seen at times it's been a little bit harder on them. But it also feels like a roster that might not be quite finished yet. Right, exactly. They picked up those assets from the from the James Harden trade. Um, that those they could certainly flip those. They could flip other pieces. I, I think this is a roster that will be in flux. We're going to see them make at least one significant move before uh, the trade deadline. So I, I think that's coming, but. Uh, before we move off the Sixers, Tyrese Maxey, man, talking about making people forget about James Harden, twenty-five and seven so far on the season for for Tyrese Maxey, shooting forty-eight percent from the field, forty-one percent from three, ninety percent from the free throw line. You know, people talk about how good of a GM Daryl Morey is and all that, and the things that he's brought and and, and all that stuff. And people, could, I've seen the conversation: is he really that good? Because the Harden conversation probably the best thing he's done for the 76ers is Tyrese Maxey he's been absolutely fantastic and he is the early favorite uh to win most improved this year yeah when you watch him play too he's always flown up and down the floor but what he does now he he still does that but he's like learned that body control and like kind of his own personal pace of when to slow it down just enough reminds me a lot of it. It's a cheap comparison because they're both Kentucky guards, but De'Aaron Fox, like Mm -hmm. there's just a lot of the same kind of herky jerky. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to jab dribble at you. Then I'm going to pull it back. Then I'm going to fly by you. Uh, Same kind of transition work. They both have good solid pull-up games. They're strong finishers, despite being smaller guys, just really, really tough. And, and I think with Tyrese Maxey too, you're seeing just his processing now because he's being asked, Hey, you got to play make a little bit more, right? We don't have Harden anymore. You're, you're no longer the third guard on the team. Like we need you when we put the ball in your hands. And I am a little curious to see, does he start to take some of those late game reps from MB mm-hmm. where things run through him a little bit more? And that sounds a little crazy. And I'm not saying you go away from MB fully, but just add a little bit more variance into the offense where he can handle it. Maybe that keeps MB from you know, running out of gas in the last three, four minutes of games because he hasn't had to do so much throughout the entirety of the fourth quarter. But yeah, Maxie's a special player and a really, 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 you know, just, you know, what, what a, what an asset to have, yeah. you know, considering, you know, everything Philly has kind of gone through to this point. Like he, he's, he's just really, really good. I mean, we mentioned this the other day, but Philly is planning on having needing to max out Maxi, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much getting confirmed here with what we've seen so far this season. Hopefully it continues. He's a very fun player. You know, one, one other guy that's really surprised me. It's, it's not so much what he's doing. It's, 
the volume that he's doing it at. I'm talking about Cam Thomas averaging 27 <laughs> yeah. points per game. We knew this guy could score. We knew that was a thing. This could, because we're talking about eight games, he did just tweak his ankle in last night's game. Mm-hmm. Um, but this could wind up just being a hot shooting streak because he's 48% from the field right now. But I I figured he'd be kind of a 20-ish point per game guy, one of those where, you know, hey, he can definitely score the ball. Obviously, he's got some deficiencies elsewhere. But for him to right now be top 10 in the NBA in scoring for the Brooklyn Nets, that is, that is definitely a surprise. Again, we'll see if this lasts long term. But through eight games, he's tenth in the NBA in scoring. He's right. He's right between Anthony Edwards and Paul George. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, it's good company if you can uh, keep it. Yeah, I, I think too. This Nets team. No, he doesn't do it in the most efficient way. Yes, he takes some some not great shots, but where he is finding the efficiency, he's getting a free throw line about six times per game. I think um, last time I looked at it, so he's he's uh, doing really really well. With that, um, which that's a big number for a small guard to get to the free throw line mm-hmm. that much. Um, and hitting 85% there, too. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, he's really doing well uh, with that part of it. And this Nets team, they need scoring in the worst way. Cam Johnson has been out. That means a lot falls on Mikhail Bridges. And we know Ben Simmons can create looks. He's just not going to score himself. And I think Simmons looks – he doesn't look the same as he did – pre-injury stuff with Philly when he was making all-star teams, but he Mm -hmm. does look a lot similar to what that player looked like. And I think the idea of anybody hoping he ever becomes a big time scorer and shooter and all that's, that's just not going to happen. So let's just let him be what he is. So you Mm -hmm. need somebody to step up and take, take shots, right? That's, that's a big, sometimes that sounds crazy to say, but the ability to create and take shots is that is an important part of offense, and that's something that Cam Thomas is is certainly doing in uh, droves right now. At the very, very least, Cam Thomas has proven he can be a Jamal Crawford, Lou Williams, mm-hmm. long-term six-man scoring guard, have a 15-year career in that role at the very least, and he may Which be is even more than that. So valuable. That's, that's yeah, an incredibly valuable. Look, Keith, in today's NBA, right, we tend to – almost like look down upon guys who are shoot first scorers, particularly high volume scores. It's the kind of, it's the, the highbrow analytics stuff where we just start getting into these guys and we're like going, Oh, well, how efficient is this guy? Yeah. He puts up 20 points, but on how many, look, that stuff matters, how many shots it takes and, and all that. But like you said, not every guy can even get off that many shots in the NBA. So having the ability, whether it's off the bench or as, as a starter, to come in and be able to score the basketball like this, it's still a valuable skill set to have. You know, it's like it's like people started to um, to look down upon anybody who is a, a really good mid range shooter. Because oh, we don't we don't do that anymore. That's a, that's an antiquated thing. That's what the dinosaurs did. There's still an art form to the game to scoring the basketball, and sometimes it gets overlooked. And Cam Thomas can do it, I think, at a very high level. And like you said. He's going to be doing this for a long time in the NBA because it's still, even if it feels antiquated, it's still a very valuable skill set to have the ability to just get bucked. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna give you one uh team one. Denver at eight and one, just no let up, right? No, yeah. no let up at all. Sometimes we see teams win a championship, they come Easy. back in and it's all right, we're good. Like we 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 kind of know what we need to do. We're not gonna push and and I'm and it doesn't even feel like they're pushing all that hard, right? No. They're they're just they're, cruising. they're just that good, right? That that's you know, for my money, that is when Jamal Murray is healthy, that is the best starting five in the NBA because they just complement each other so well. In Jokic now, this is – I'm going to offer maybe the highest praise I can offer somebody here. I grew up watching Larry Bird. Mm-hmm. And what Jokic does as far as like real-time problem solving reminds me of Bird. Like teams throw weird stuff at him, and then it's like two trips. And he's like, all right, I got it. I solved it. Like. Right. Yeah, what's next? Your hope is you either have one of those games, which now these are almost gone too. The ones where he commits like three stupid fouls, like usually oh, yeah. rebounding and he reaches in and commits a bad foul. And then he kind of jumps up and down because he's mad. And then he's on the bench. He's almost eliminated those from his game. So you can't even re- hope for, all right, he'll get himself in dumb foul trouble. And that's how mm-hmm. he's off the floor. So you're kind of hopefully just – has the one out of every, what, 10, 15 games where the touch just isn't there. And he's a little sluggish and things don't look look right. But other than that, I don't know what you do anymore. Like, there's just, there's not much you can do. And you can't just straight double him because he's like, please, bring it. <laughs> like, bring the extra defender because I will find the cutter or shooter. Like, yeah. I, I, it's, it's, it's just crazy. Yeah, you know, they are, they remind me of, like late in games, like the last, I'm talking about the last, say, four minutes of a game, it's almost like they're just shopping at the supermarket, right? They've got, they're putting together the recipe. They're looking (laughs) at the scoreboard. What do we need to win this game? Oh, let me get uh, three stops, uh, a couple of threes, and a trip to the free throw line. And they just put them all in their cart, and that's exactly what they get, and then they win the game, and and they go on their merry way. It's, It's incredible that you can see they're just in control, even in close games. It doesn't phase them. They get the things that they need and off they go as though they're just picking them off a shelf and the, the other team is just kind of there to hold up the items that they need for them and, and they just make their selections and move on. Yeah, and if you are not super disciplined and able to guard your man one-on-one, good luck. You have no chance because if you have to 
uh, press and recover and do a ton of switching on the backside, mm-hmm. you're just going to get messed up. And it's going to, it's different than the way the peak warriors played where the warriors would get, they, like I always said, they get you in the blender, right? Yeah. Where it's like, you're trying to switch and cover everything. The next thing you know, staff or clay is open because you can only switch so many screens and handbacks and switchbacks and those things. When you get in with Denver, it's not, it's it's different because they're not doing a lot of the baseline screens and the full um you know we, we would call them you know and i've heard coaches refer to it as like full field runs where it's like you start on the left side fully cut all the way back around all the way to the top of the key on the right side they you don't see a lot of that with denver but what you see is you turn your head for a second their guys know go just yep. go and he's you know especially if Jokic has it out top he's gonna find you and then if you overreact to the cutter he just picks out the shooter sneaking in behind the helper and it's just they, they there's just not a lot you can do you have to be able to be disciplined to defend one-on-one without needing a lot of help and a lot of coverage and there's just not a lot of teams that can do that with five guys on the floor at once you you know and and, and i don't know what then the next answer is because i don't think you want to try to speed them up because one they're not no. gonna they're gonna play at the speed Jokic wants to play at and then just trying to outscore them in the half court good luck with that too because you can get points on them they're not a they're not a bad defense but they're not like oh my god they shut everybody down defensively right but you're just inviting a game where you're probably just not going to win yeah yeah that's that's denver they are very very good uh let's jump to a team that is they've been bad this season but they've been worse than i think anybody expected that's memphis grizzlies currently at one and seven the worst record in the nba you knew that there were going to be some challenges. They're obviously missing some very key players. John Morant due to suspension. You've got a couple of guys due to injury. Steven Adams, Brandon Clark. They bring in Marcus Smart. I, I didn't think they'd be the team that would be sitting 1-7 and seven right now. And they're 0-4 at home. Now, I, I do think better days lay ahead for this team. Well, I mean, maybe it's a low bar there when you're the, the, the worst record in the league right now. But are you surprised, as surprised as I am, that it's, that it's this bad right now for Memphis? Yeah, they, they just can't do anything offensively. Teams are loading to Desmond Bain and basically mm-hmm. saying, good luck. Like, we'll live with if Mar- if this is one of those games where Marcus Smart hits eight three-pointers, we'll, we'll, we'll fine. If it's a game where Jaron Jackson Jr. is making a bunch of plays offensively, whatever, we're going to live with it. Their young guys have not come along i think at the rate they wanted and this is where sometimes you run into if you get a little too precious with your own draft picks they sometimes don't develop and then now all of a sudden you have a guy who just doesn't have value mm-hmm. um it feels like they need another trade um i know john Morant when he gets back will juice things for them quite a bit but we're still talking another um, what are they one in seven Mm-hmm. Um, I think so. We're talking another what is that? That's eight, 17 more games, yeah. Uh, to go. I, I said, um, on Memphis radio, you needed to be like 10 and 15 when Ja gets back. That's starting to look like a stretch now because now you're talking yeah. about going nine and eight the rest of the way, and that's that's difficult. So, I, I, I don't know, man. They, they just they, they they they're just can't get out of the way offensively. Got to find a way to make life easier on Desmond Bain. Santi Aldama being back is going to help. 
And when he is fully up to speed, he can score and do some stuff uh, from a front court position. But their defense just isn't good enough to make up for how bad the offense is right now. And, and I'm not entirely sure that there are any real easy fixes because some of the fixes you can go to, Luke Kennard, John Conchar, those kind of guys, those are going to be downgrades defensively. And now you know, you're just trading points for points. At that point, I'm not, I'm not sure how they dig themselves out of this one. They currently have the worst offensive rating in the league. Um, yeah, not not looking good right now for the Grizzlies. But what about the uh, on the other end of things, the Minnesota Timberwolves, the best defensive rating in the NBA? They've been really impressive on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, thoughts there? Is this finally the the dream? They are five and two right now on the season the dream of a defensive juggernaut around Rudy Gobert, Carl Anthony Towns, uh, of course, Jaden McDaniels. You've got all these players that can defend. And I know Cat's not a great defender, but the two bigs, is it is it actually working? Yeah, I think it is. You know, their problems are falling far more on the other end of the floor. Yep. Um, one thing that's weird with them, they're a pretty good three-point shooting team, but they're not taking enough of them. So you got to get more three-point attempts up. I know that sounds, you know, maybe a little crazy, but like when you're you're hitting at, let me just double check. They're at, yeah, they're at a 37.3% as a team. That's ninth in the league, but their three-point attempt rate is 23rd in the league. So if you're going to shoot threes that well, you got to get more three-pointers up and they turn it over way too much. And a lot of their turnovers are, they're, they're, why part of why their defense is being helped is their turnovers are not live ball turnovers. They're mm. they're illegal screens. They're cap plowing through people and picking up offensive fouls. So they at least are getting back and setting the defense versus having to set it up. But yeah, defensively, man, they're they're a nightmare because when cat is the lone big, you can get some stuff, right? You yeah. can figure things out. But if you can kind of say, hey just kind of hang out on the weak side and maybe come and just be big, right? Like if Gobert gets caught at all, just be big. Like that's good. And then you, you worry about cat stepping out to the perimeter to guard guys. But again, you have the premier cleanup guy at the rim behind him. So if he gets beat, it is what it is. And then Anthony Edwards, I mean, super duper star, like he's everything we, we dream And Jade McDaniels. If he doesn't make defensive all defense team this year, like forget it just throw the votes away they don't mean anything because he should have made it last year and he's been excellent again this season i mean he is regularly he got paid what he did exactly that's exactly why that and the fact that he can really shoot it um you know from the outside so yeah just a really really good uh solid player all right so yeah keith um last last one what do you want to finish this off with what what else it has been surprising to you and again i guess we should i should have prefaced everything with this we're eight games in. There's a yeah. long way to go, or seven, depending on your team. Uh, there's a long way to go, but still always fun to take a peek at some of the some of the early season surprises. What do you want to close things out with? Yeah, I just want to do do this, and it's it's gonna sound like I'm picking on my buddy here, but it really has nothing to do with last night's game, which was just a mess. Oh, yeah. The Rockets at four and three. Yo, they started zero and three, and it looked a little bit like. All right, everybody was way too in on this team. And now all of a sudden starting to play some defense, mm-hmm. starting to take care of the ball a little bit, starting to, you know, hit some shots. Um, Jalen Green just looks like it's finally starting to click for He's him. Ascending. Yeah, he, he, he 
just everything's slowing down a little bit, like, which is good. And it's, they, they seem like the kind of classic um, slow down to play faster type of guy with, with him where like you can do more if you're not just running up and down the floor and throwing the ball away. Alperin Shingoon, dude is just, he's good. Like he's just, he's one of my favorites, just one of my favorite players in the NBA. And he's he's for a big, he doesn't block very many shots or anything like that. But right now he's averaging 18.3 points. Everything is so efficient and so smooth. Everything that he does and eight boards and 6.6 assists. 6.6 6.6 assists yeah. as a, as a center. He's he is he's reading the floor so so well, and uh, he's been absolutely fantastic. Yeah, and, and this is you can see the vision right with yeah. Fred Van Vliet was the idea was let's just put him out there with these guys, let them kind of run things, keep everybody organized. Dylan Brooks for you know I, I don't know if Dylan Brooks experience over the summer turned in into now he can make shots all the time, but he's shooting the lights out right now. I mean, that team is starting to come together. I don't want to get too, too crazy on it. Cause it's, you know, we're we're only, it's early, you know, yeah, it's early. We're only a handful of games into the season. They beat um, Sacramento team that was missing Darren Fox, uh, but they kind of beat him up twice. And then a very, uh, you know, injured banged up Lakers team as well. So you're kind of just in a spot where it's like, all right, is this, you know, well, what is this going to We don't know how real it is. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, when you start 0-3 and on opening night, you got drilled by 30 by the Orlando Magic. And then you come back to win four in a row. Hey, I'm going to give you your props because this is a team that is, you know, they're starting to figure stuff out. Now, do I think they're going to be a postseason team? No, I don't think so. I think think it'll fall off eventually. They, yeah. My big worries with them is they don't have a ton of depth. So you lose a couple guys, and then all of a sudden, and God forbid, Van Vliet goes down because you've got nothing really behind him. So that's a that's a challenge. When he comes off the floor, it does get a little messy. Yeah, almost have to, as weird as it sounds, stagger him and Shingoon because you got to let Shingoon kind of be the, the dude out there to run the offense through when it's there. And then my guy, Jabari Smith, like, he, people laughed because they were like, mm-hmm. this guy was a blown draft pick. He wasn't good. You know, he's not very good. And he was starting to figure it out at the end of last season. And right now he's at 50% from the field, 39% from three. He's just not getting to the free throw line. Only one attempt per game. Let's That's get downhill nice. a little bit more, get to the defense, get, get to the line a little bit more, create a little bit, and let's go from there. But it, uh, it, it definitely has been fun. News just broke, Keith. I'm sure you're seeing it right now, too. Mason Plumlee expected to be sidelined for as much as two months for the Clippers with an MCL spray. Man, that is that is a longer absence than I was expecting to see there. That's um, that's going to be difficult. I'll say on that one, too. Somebody commented of like six foot five PJ Tucker is the backup center. What do you think PJ Tucker's been for years? Like yeah. he's been like the shortest like backup five in the league. Like he did that with Houston. He did it with Miami. Did it with Philly last year. Like that's just kind of he's generally started at the four and then slid over to play the five. And it's it's I like to refer to it's like trying to post up a fire hydrant. You're just yep. not moving him. You know some guys can turn and shoot over him, but you're just not going to move him. And did you see the play last night where he stepped in and took the charge? on um uh, gosh now i can't remember who it was no i I didn't see that one i didn't Uh, see that game so i gotta gotta see let let me figure out who it was that they played because it was it was a crazy oh the Nets. oh it's trendon watford oh (laughs) trendon watford he's not a small hammered one 
on PJ Tucker. And like, it would have been the highlight of all highlight dunks uh, so far early in this season, except for maybe Jalen Brown's on Rudy Gobert the other night, which was really good too. Mm -hmm. Um, But PJ, but they ended up calling it a charge, but it was like PJ Tucker took a real charge, like full on, like got blasted into and Wofford threw down a good dunk. While I'm on the moment here, stop calling technical fouls on guys for hanging on the round. And for the love of God, if you get dunked on, you deserve to get yelled at. Like if a guy dunks on you and yells in your face, don't call technical fouls. Giannis's ejection last night was the stupid, most asinine thing I've seen, you know, this season. Yeah. And it's just like, just like we do this every year in the league. It's like taunting technicals and hanging on the rim technicals and all this stuff. And some of the hanging on the rim ones are getting called when guys are doing it clearly because they think someone's underneath them yep. and they don't want to get hurt. So like, yep. just stop. Like happened to Jackson Hayes the other night. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah happened to Chris Porzingis last night. Yeah. Thought a guy had, had you know, run in behind him. Derek Jones Jr. Got called for him where if he didn't hang on the rim, he clearly would ended up flat on his back. Like yeah. I just, you know, this, this, I don't know. And this, I don't even feel like this is an old man rant because old man rant would be like, yeah, you know, stop all the dunking and yelling at people. Like, I don't like, you, you know, just let guys play. You know I mean? If we're curbing load management, let's not be throwing superstars out of games for yelling at someone after they dunk on them. Right. And, and on top of that, like the, the whole hanging on the rim thing, right? Like, and I agree with you. Don't, don't kick, don't kick Giannis out of the game because he just dunked yeah. all over somebody. Any, any, his gaze lingers on that player for a fraction of a yeah. second longer than normal. Right. I mean, that was, that was absolutely ridiculous, but the whole like hanging on the rim thing, it's the, the problem is I don't even think it's, it's an advantage. Like I think teams will not want players to hang on the yeah. rim in, in any kind of a showboating way. Cause here's the, here's the deal in today's NBA. What do teams do? As soon as somebody makes a layup, right? Whether they or even if they miss the layup, right? Typically, the player who shoots that layup or dunks that shot, their momentum is going to carry them out of bounds a little bit. They're going to be out of the play. Teams grab the ball and go. They want to get a five on four, or yep. at worst, they want to get mismatches going in transition. So if you've got a guy who's really making a show of it and he's hanging on the rim and, and doing shaking and doing all that, the other team's already gone down, going the other way. I think teams will police out any kind of hanging on the rim kind yep. of problem the way today's game is played. I don't think the refs even need to worry about hanging on the rim. And I absolutely think you're right that more often than not, now we're seeing guys do it because they're trying to make sure that they don't go horizontal 10 feet up in the air and are coming crashing down. It's about preventing injuries more than anything else. So number one, I think the technical fouls on it have been awful. But number two, I don't think it's anything we need to call text on yeah. period right now, because I think the game will eliminate hanging on the rim uh, as a as a way of showboating or whatever. Anyway, because you're going to get scored on if you're messing around like that, the way the game's played right now. Yeah, completely agree. All right, let's end on a fun thing. If you have not seen the end of Suns, Bulls, regulation, yes. Zach Levine was up so high trying to catch a lob, which the Bulls still threw over his head. It was one of these where he was basically going to have to tap it down into the basket. But what an innovative play design. He kind of curled around, curled way out top, and then literally flew in. Kevin Durant's reaction was, where the hell did you come from? Like literally looked around after the play because the ball went sailing out of bounds. And you could see Kevin Durant was like, what like, did they drop you from the Raptors? Like what happened <laughs> where, here? Where did you come from? <laughs> yeah. For a play that 
didn't end up meaning anything. You got to go find it because Zach Levine. I I mean, he was he if if you told me he was twenty feet in the air, I'd probably be like, yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> he was way up there um, on that play, and somehow the Bulls still <laughs> overthrew him and threw it out of bounds. And and then uh, since we're on the Bulls, one more good thing about your guy, the Caruso show. Man, that dude is whew, he he is blown. When, yes, indeed. Kevin Durant is like giving you uh, comments, which he's pretty good about uh, about shouting guys out if they play mm-hmm. well. But it was like, I don't even want to call him a role player, like because he's so good. Like that that's that's just good stuff, man. He was a uh, he, he looks good. good last night. Yeah, he's he's one of the the better defensive players in this league, and um, yeah, good to see him getting some getting some credit for it. Yeah. All right. Well, Keith. See, I love, we, we sat down, we said, oh, there's not a lot of news out today. We don't need news. You and I can just sit down yeah. and start talking basketball. Yeah. Next thing you know, 45 minutes goes by and it, and it feels like it was five minutes because, because we love this stuff so much. Um, and we didn't even talk too much Marvel today. So there you go. We, we appeased some people in the, in the comments. Something to keep an eye on. Uh, just kind of, just keep an eye on it. Clippers are, they, they are, uh, Maybe going to look at Daniel Tice, it sounds like, for oh, uh, yeah, a uh, backup center spot, very available uh, from the um, from the uh, Indiana Pacers, does not play, but clearly showed in the World Cup he has more than enough left uh, yeah. to, to you know, contribute to a team there. Just the Pacers just don't need them. They've, they've got, uh, obviously, Miles Turner, Jalen Smith, and Isaiah Jackson are their guys moving forward. So, so yeah, keep an eye on maybe, maybe something happens there, and Clippers still have some tradable salary and they don't really care about adding to the luxury tax bill because Steve Ballmer made it in the time it took me to say this sentence. He's got it in his couch cushions. He can just go searching for it. And oh, here it is. Here's two million bucks. Didn't like to change Um, drawer of his uh of his car. Right. Yeah, where you're trying to pay for your McDouble or something like that. I don't know. McDoubles are probably like five bucks now. I don't know. At this point. They They used to be like 99 (laughs) cents. Oh, back in the day, Today, back in the day, is old. the good old days, Keith, I was talking to my wife earlier. We were ranting about Disneyland prices and compared them to back in the day and what they were, even, even inflation adjusted and all that kind of stuff where we were looking at that. We're like, oh my gosh, but we're going anyway. We're there you go. <laughs> Let us see all that right. Campus. That's right. I can't wait. I can't <laughs> wait. All right, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Make sure you do subscribe here to the NBA Front Office Show on YouTube. Podcast listeners, find us over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is you listen to podcasts. Till next time, see ya and stay safe.